This show is proudly sponsored by TraderCobb.com. Visit TraderCobb.com forward slash free tools for your free education content. Now on this section of the website, you will receive access to view a bit about the three trading strategies that I use daily. And if you're sick and tired of your family and friends wanting to know about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, well, there's a free course in there for them as well, titled Beginner's Course to Cryptocurrency. It's absolutely free, so tell your friends and family and visit TraderCobb.com now. The Trader Cobb Crypto Show, talking business in blockchain. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Trader Cobb Crypto Podcast. Today, I have got uh, what's becoming a very kindred spirit in Chris Coney. Now, he's the host of the Cryptoverse podcast and the founder of Cryptoversity. He is an ex, or sorry, I was going to say ex-trader. He is a trader who's been trading for 10 years, very much like myself, been around the tra traps for quite a while, and he's coming out of a wonderful part of the world as well in England. So thank you so much for your time today, Chris. I appreciate it. Oh, Craig, I'm delighted to be here, mate. I'm enjoying the chat already. Yes, look, we've got so much to talk about both on the mic and off the mic, but let's keep to what's on the mic first. All right. You've been trading for 10 years. I just want to know what, uh, where you got started. And, um, and I, I suppose, what have you found that's, um, that's resonated with you in the markets? Uh, I know you do a lot of technical analysis. I just want to let us know how you started and what sort of things you'd noticed and what's got you to understanding markets the way you do today. Mm -hmm, sure. Um, so it was, it was in my, the first business I ever started was like in web design and online marketing. And it wasn't going that well in the beginning. And I found it very difficult to go out there and, and sell really because I didn't think the product I was selling was very good. So I was always looking for alternatives and I was studying like how to build wealth and so on discovered like, okay, stop selling your time for money. The other what gives away, you know, no one ever gets rich um, being paid for their hours because you've only got so many of them. And then through that process of looking at, okay, so you can invest in real estate, you can do this, you can do that. And, you eventually come across, oh, you can trade. Well, what's this thing? Oh, this is the thing where it's the money makes the money, right? In Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow quadrant, it's like the I quadrant where the amount you make is totally unrelated to um, how much time you put in, right? It's completely leveraged. So if you have, um, <clears throat> depending on the size of your trading account and a 2% return on the trade or a 5% return on the trade, doesn't matter if you're trading with $100 or a million dollars, right? And I was like, oh, this is interesting. So I like the idea. So I, I first learned to trade stocks with a training company in the UK. And then I didn't like the, I didn't like the, well, the volatility of stocks. Cause you know, you get gaps and yeah, all this sort of stuff. The charts are really, you know what I mean? The charts are really messy. You know what I mean? Like, uh, so then they offered, they offered this Forex trading course and because of the huge liquidity, I thought, oh, I like that idea. So I went did that as well. And then, well, that really, then it's, it's not as easy as it looks. You find out, <laughs> it, I mean, it was fascinating. This is the thing that really got me fascinated was, I mean, if you boil it down, all trading really is, is clicking a buy and a sell button. That's the only action you actually need to take. Uh, and you think, well, so, and everything else happens in your head, right? mm -hmm. everything else happens in your head. And that's where the game is played out. And that's harder than I expected it to be. Because you just don't know how much junk you've got up there that preventing you from just seeing what's really there. Um, you know what I mean? And that's the thing about technical analysis. And you start um, getting emotionally involved with trades. And that's the whole 
thing that you've got to learn when you start trading otherwise that's when you start losing money you don't know why it's because yeah. it's because you're sabotaging yourself and that that was really fascinating to me to go through that whole process everyone has to go through it though i mean myself included i mean i've, I've been trading for 13 years and the first three years was basically doing you know i was just burning rubber um, and even when I knew what I needed to do, I mean, I remember having a, a, a very successful trader as a mentor. I was very lucky to have this individual. Um, and, and she's like, mate, you, you take some of the best trades, but you also take some of the worst trades. And that was mm -hmm. a psychology thing. And, and I, I've always said to people, and I continue to say that, you know, trading is like holding up a mirror to yourself. You've got two choices. Mm -hmm. You can accept what is in that mirror. You can see the flaws that you have, you can accept them and then you can move forward to try and correct them or, or, or take an action to not have to rely on the flaws that you have to try and achieve your outcomes, right? So you can focus on little chunks that, are, that you're really good at. But if you don't want to, or you don't believe that you're ever gonna be wrong, if you believe that you're just right as you are right now, then unless you truly are best friends with the Dalai Lama, or you've got some sort of method where you can just be super zen and you really are comfortable and you've done a lot of self-development, then you are going to have to go through a real process of waking up and realizing just how inadequate you are with some of the things that you need because it, it, it oh my God, it, it really does shine a light on that. I, I'm, I'm so, so happy you brought that up, mate, because it, it's the hardest thing in trading. And to say what ends up happening or happened to me was, because um, that's, that's, that works harder, um, it, it led me to, and I've seen this in some of my students as well, and you, you probably resonate with this as well, um, it's like people just want to learn indicator after indicator after indicator <laughs> after indicator as if that's as if that's going to help you don't you know what I mean you do need technical analysis absolutely essential but just piling one indicator under another and, and there's hundreds and there's thousands of indicators and it's not like if you mastered them all that would that would guarantee you to be a successful trader because you need both pieces you absolutely need both pieces Correct. I mean, you can, you can end up having a chart that looks like a bowl of spaghetti, right? I mean, I, right. I did that. I mean, I used to go to all these London, London trader meetups where you'd have a pint and someone would talk about something. And, you know, I, I even learned how to calculate the MACD. I mean, that's how sad I was. Right. Right. Um, because from my point of view, you know, I, mean, I, I was, I've never been a scholastic or academic, right? I'm not being a scholastic person. I, I didn't learn in that environment. So, but that's the way I'd always been brought up. Now I started trading at 23. 20, 22, 23, something like that. Um, so pretty young. And um, effectively, you know, I was in the position where I thought, okay, well, look, you know, if you work hard at something and you study really hard, because, you know, everyone at school or university studies, right, to, to get their grades yeah. unless you're gifted. Uh, and then in which case you're probably still studying anyway. So I'm thinking, right, okay, the way, to, the way to win is, you know, the way I've been taught to win is to study the subject for which you wish to get the accolades within. Mm -hmm. Now, unfortunately, mm -hmm. that doesn't really work when it doesn't really play out in the real world, especially for something like trading, because you can come into this with an entrepreneurial mindset or background, which, which I had, and go, oh, no, look, it should be right. I'll, I'll, just, um, I'll just wing it. I'll, I'll just have a go, and I'll work it out as I go. Now, unfortunately, trading will punish you for as many years as you allow it to punish you. Because there's so many different variables that need to come together. It's kind of like, you know, how many times can you, you know, how many different sets of numbers can 10 numbers be? It's like a billion or something. Same sort of thing, right? You can make so many different things up with just a handful of indicators. What chance have you got with the rest of them that are out there? So, 
KISS is my theory. Keep it simple. I dropped the second S and it's worked very well for me thus far. But, you know, to each their own. To each their own. So, so you've been trading foreign exchange for, for 10 years. Now, obviously, we're going to talk about crypto, uh, your uh, journey into crypto. I always like to know uh, how, how my guests have got into crypto. So what, when was it that got you into crypto and what was it that got you really interested? Mm, when was it? About... I think I discovered Bitcoin in 2013 mm. and it was, it was, it was when I'd got, I'd had enough of the, of my web design business and all that lot. Didn't, didn't really like doing that. It was, it was very, very difficult. And you were just talking about taking like your entrepreneurial mindset mm. to trading. So in the process of building that business or attempting to build that business, which I didn't build very big, um, I was like, okay, I've got to learn how to sell. And so you go for all the sales training and so on. And that's, you know, using force of will mindset, I took to trading, which doesn't work. You can't, you can't, the markets like, uh, the markets are like a, a brick wall <clears throat> or the ocean. Like you can't, you can't like manipulate it. You know, no force of will is going to make the price move unless, you know, especially the Forex market, mm. very, very few people can manipulate that market with liquidity that they've got in their uh, wallets, you know? <clears throat> so me trying to, and that's where you start distorting what you see. Cause I'm like, uh, if, cause with, with selling, you be like, okay, you just make so many phone calls and the more calls you make, ultimately the more appointments you get and the more sales you make. Yeah. But that might, I thought that mindset to trading and it just didn't work out at all. Yep. So anyway, <clears throat> so it was, it was the end of my web design business, had enough of that, sold it to my co-director. And then it was in that same year. I think I, I came across Bitcoin. Why, why I was interested in it was because in my, in my study of, um, excuse me, entrepreneurialism and trying to figure out how to make my business work. Inevitably, I got into studying like um, business strategy and then economics and then, oh, okay, how does the economy work then? You know, because it's, it's related. Yep. If you're part of this thing called the economy, how does, how does value transfer and all that sort of stuff, market share, and you learn about all these things. And then I was like, okay, this system really is a weird system. We've got a fiat currency and then I'm like, okay, the gold thing, gold standard, studying Mike Maloney and I'm like, oh, Okay. Okay. So what started out as just a simple, let's solve my business problems became, oh, okay. Now I'm understanding economics and oh, there's this great big problem of it doesn't really work the system that we've got, right? It doesn't yeah. work for most people anyway. And then I was like, oh dear, what we're going to do about that? Then 2008 financial crisis was right in the middle of my business career. I thought, well, what do we do about this? Like what? I don't see a solution other than gold. Like that's not really a solution because that still can be manipulated by the existing system mm. so i was like oh dear oh, we're a bit stuck then aren't we until i was like until i came across bitcoin i was like oh what's this here then looked at it oh oh this is it this is the solution like you know <clears throat> so um it was it was very odd that i'd been primed yeah with, it sounds like the perfect stairway to bitcoin <laughs> you know the understanding of 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 world economics the way it works i mean but it, it it's fascinating hearing your gradual, I suppose, a gradual walk towards that. Uh, I, I too heard about Bitcoin in 2013. I didn't buy it. I kicked it to the curb. I was trading foreign exchange and um, well, predominantly foreign exchange. Uh, and I was in London. Oh, no. 2013. No, I wasn't. I was here and I was in Australia. God, I've been back here for nine, eight, eight or nine years now. It goes so quick. <laughs> um, and um, I, I didn't want anything to do with it. Uh, it just didn't have the, you know, it, it, I wasn't a tech investor. Uh, I was a trader. Now, for me to 
so when someone said have or check out Bitcoin, I'm like, okay, I will. I went straight to the charts because I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm a trader. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what I do. Uh, and I went, oh, there's, there's, there's nothing. I can't find anything. There's, there's really nothing available. Uh, so I left it. Now, I have a lot of people that stay to me to this day. They're like, oh, aren't you spewing that you didn't do this? I'm like, no, because if I had have, if I had have broken all my rules and gone ahead and, you know, tried to trade or buy Bitcoin, um, you know, chances are I, I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, two things would have happened. Either I'd have heaps of money or I'd have broken all of my rules and I'd have no money because, you know, you can't afford to break your rules for anything, right? You cannot afford to break your rules. So interesting. So you, you found out about it in 2013. What was the next step? Did you immediately start investing? Did you start mining? I mean, what was the process into you acquiring your own Bitcoins? Yeah, good question. Good question. Um, so I, I tried to launch a couple of other businesses in that year, which didn't really work out either. Um, so I, I was like freelancing a bit of marketing consultancy to to generate some income, and alongside that, I'm sort of studying Bitcoin, reading the white paper, and getting into it. I had it just doing my own study, like just figure it out for myself. And then I was like, okay, so then it was like um, you find your way onto localbitcoins.com. Mm. I think I initially that was where I went to buy bitcoin and i didn't like buy a whole ton of it like some people just fortunately figured oh, yeah, i'll stick like 10 grand into it and see what goes i didn't i only bought like one you know or two yeah. back then and if and have bought it along the way so i've got it at every bloody price you can think of <laughs> so it wasn't like oh yeah i got in where it was 350 and i bought 10 bitcoin or 100 it wasn't like that at all for me so and then i tried I, I just played with everything really i did a bit of cloud mining with like genesis mining um tracked all that yeah that doesn't really that doesn't really work unless you buy a mining contract and then the price of the bitcoin skyrockets right because mm-hmm. you get a set if it's if it's the price remains stable claim cloud mining doesn't really work no so it relies on you mining some bitcoin and then the price going up significantly because then it's profitable that's what i learned just purely by logging my own numbers yep and just figuring out you know because they charge the maintenance fee and all that lot so it, they're like the house in the sense that the cloud mining company is going to make money no matter what. No matter, yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. And we're taking the risk on that. So tried a bit of that, played with a bunch of wallets, uh, met a guy who was in the online marketing business who was always looking at what was trending. And he'd, he'd been like, wanted to get into crypto and teach people you know, online education because he was into like internet-based information products and so on. And he'd written a book that he wanted to turn to an online course, which was actually the first course I created because we coll- we decided to collaborate on it. Okay. And uh, that became the Digital Money Revolution course, which was just going to be a course to begin with because I thought the education is the gap in the market here. Mm. Um, it took me forever to figure out how it works. And then I thought, well, <laughs> the key to this thing taking off is as many people as possible understanding it. So that's that's what I can contribute, right? So I did. And by the end of that course, I was like, well, even though it's a big old seven module course, barely scratched the surface here, right? So I was like, it needs to be, it needs to be more than just a course. I thought, well, maybe I need to build an online school, which is where the crypto, cryptoversity idea came from. And then it was like, okay, how do I market this and get it out there? Well, content marketing, I guess. So if I'll start a podcast and then people discover that and want to go deeper, they can get the courses. So that was really the sequence of events. And it's it's very similar to the way that we've done it too. I mean, that's why you know it's really easy speaking with with you. And, and for those that are out there that are thinking, well, hang on, why has he got this guy on the show who also does courses? Because we think in abundance. You know, 
there's more than one ways to skin a cat, ladies and gentlemen. There's more than one way to trade the markets, and there's more than one good person out there trying to do a good thing. Um, so, you know, and there's things that, uh, that I don't do. For example, let's talk about fundamentals. Um, mm-hmm. When did you start looking? I mean, obviously, you did the mining, you did this, and you looked around, you did all these different things. Now, you, everybody gets into a fundamental aspect at some point. They start to... Um, you know, read about the project. Who are the team members? You know, what have they done in the past? How's their LinkedIn going to help the project in, in terms of, you know, who are they close to in that industry? Blah, 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 blah. All that sort of stuff. What was it that really, is, was there a certain, I guess, um, light bulb moment around fundamentals that you went, oh, this is the formula? Or is it still evolving at such a pace? It's still very difficult to keep your head around. I mean, I'd be very interested in your views on that. Okay, totally got you. Totally got you on that. Um, I think one of the things that that has that has held or that's held me back in trading since I started is that the so the lower the time frame you want to trade, um, or, or just trading trading in and out intraday or even swing trading, you have. I think you have to be a particular type of person. Right. And, you know, I've learned a lot about myself over the years, especially when you when you get into trading, you do you do start to learn your your personal traits and stuff like that, which may make you more or less suitable to a particular approach to trading. Mm. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, For me, I'm and it's interesting you mentioned fundamentals because I've found myself uh, gravitating more and more towards the crypto investor side of things rather than the trading side of things, purely because uh, trading a lot, it's a lot of times I, I find, I still even now find it kind of stressful because it's too fast for me, right? Mm. I'm just as a person, again, to learn about myself, I'm kind of slow, but that's not a good or bad thing. It's just, it's just, it's just a fact. It's just, you know who you are. It's a fact, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, if you've ever seen that movie, uh, uh, what's it? Zootopia. Yes. You've seen that. Yes. So, my friend Emma, one of my best friends, she's like the bunny. She says, and when we saw that film, she's like, you know, when she goes to the driving license agency, she's like, the sloth reminds me of you. And to begin with, I was like, I took that as it was a, as a slight. I'm like, what do you mean, right? Because in in the wider world, it's like, ah, fast is better, you know, live life in the fast lane, yada, yada, yada. But the more I think about it, the more I'm like, oh yeah, actually, um, <laughs> slow and precise would be the two words that probably boil boil me down to a T. So okay. that's, um, that's causing me to develop my content in a different way as well, because I'm like, okay, if I'm, if I'm better at being slow and precise, I'm much more considerate, gather a lot of information. That's what probably makes me a better fundamental analyst than a, than a trader. So anyway, that was semi-relevant to what you No, what you look, it's, it's fascinating because we all mold. I mean, look, I, I can relate with that uh, in my trading career when I first started. And yeah, well, I, I won't say when I first started because it took, it took three, three, to f- three to four years before I was actually in the position where I was, you know, consistently profitable. And when I say consistent, that's over a year of making mm. money consistently month in, month out. I mean, you can have months of drawdowns, but for, for, the, for, the, for the most part. Um, so, you know, for me, when I was in London and I was at that stage, <coughs> excuse me, I was, um, I was trading lots of lower time frames. I was trading full time. I was doing all sorts of things, gaps in markets. You know, I was, I was, I was doing level two. Like, there was a huge amount of stuff that I was doing. So I was super, super active. Now, nowadays, where I run a couple of businesses, I've got a young family, um, I've stepped right back from that. My philosophy now is less is more. I'm mm. more than willing to wait. And even my clients will attest to this. They'll like, they'll take more trades than me. And often they'll mm. do better than me. 
and that's fine. I'm I'm not in in this to beat anybody or race anybody. I'm in this to uh, you know build wealth uh, and and build businesses and and build a life that I want to live. Like you know, for example, this afternoon I went down to Bondi and Carson Lewis. I went for fish. It was it was lovely. I got soaked, but it was right. lovely. So it's it's about more than that. And you will note that you you know if you if you want to start as an entry day trader because it's sexy and it's fast and all that, you'll tend to mold into who you are comfortable being within the market and what you think you might be is not often what you end up being. So I can totally understand that sort of shift towards that fundamental side um, completely, absolutely completely. Now when we come down into the tech side of things, right? So we had a, a brief conversation before I hit record here, Chris, talking about the next wave of uh, crypto investor, shall we say. And I believe that the next wave will probably be the, uh, the demographic between 45 and 65. Uh, those that have watched the, uh, the dot-com boom and bust twice, uh, either invested or didn't, but didn't invest in Bitcoin through that 2017 run because they'd seen it all before. They'd seen it over hype market. They saw it in the dot-com. Now, these people don't want to buy at the top and they don't want to buy at the bottom. We're now somewhere in between there. Bitcoin and crypto assets are not dead. Their interest is now there. They will start to enter this market, but they need trusted sources of information. One of the things mm -hmm. we're talking about is the understanding of the tech side of it. So what sort of things are you showing to people to help these people to understand why it's trustless, what Bitcoin is, and why it's revolutionary? Because we can tell people that it is, but they've got to see it to understand it and own it themselves. What, what sort of things are you telling them about the technology? Yeah, totally got you, totally got you. So I've noticed something about our world. We, we live in this world of opposites, right? Mm. So there's, there's like, you end up having um, Android and Apple and you know, <laughs> so on and so forth. And one thing I don't think most people on Main Street are aware of is there are, there are two distinct, I'd call them distinct, approaches to managing economies. Which I, which I put into the category of like Keynesian economics and Austrian economics. Mm -hmm. um, and we're in, a, we're, in, we're in a almost entirely Keynesian economic world where fiat currency and unlimited supply and consumption is the only thing that matters. That, those are the fundamental principles of Keynesian economics. And the reason that matters is because it matters to the culture of the world as well because we're in this consumerist society. And that's, that's ba basically because of the economic model that underpins our economy. It encourages consumption. Spending is the most important thing. That's mm -hmm. the belief. And I don't believe that at all. I do not believe that at all because it leads to all manner of other problems in the world like pollution and you know, um, wasting resources. So this was me studying economics way back in the day. And then you read about this thing called the Austrian School of Economics, which talks about <clears throat> hard money and um, you know that kind of stuff, limited supply of the currency, and um, free markets and that kind of stuff. So when, when I came across Bitcoin, I was like, oh my goodness, this seems to me to be like the ideal way of building an economic system that uses these principles from the Austrian School of Economics. That's, I'd say that's a niche topic. I don't think many people even heard of it mm. or understand it. But to me, the more, I, the more I read about it, the more it just made common sense to me is as to how, how, it should, how an economy should run. You know, um, and the whole, what's the a new word I learned, learned recently? DeFi, which is decentralized finance. Yeah, okay. And that, that makes total sense to me as it well. Does. And it's also in line with uh, Austrian economic principles because it's, it's also like um, the opposite of central planning would be decentralized planning, I suppose. Yeah. And that's basically where 
it just makes so much sense to me. How can a small group of people in an office like in the Federal Reserve possibly be able to make decisions that work for everybody? It just didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. The only people that know um, what ha- the, be- the best way to run their local economy is people who are in the local economy, right? Yeah. So um, anyway, that's, a, that's more of a meta thing. You asked me, what do I... So on the tech when side, so, so let's say you've got somebody who's, um, you know, 60 years old, comes in and okay. goes, we, we said, look, you know, we got, you know, we're talking to them over dinner and saying Bitcoin's fantastic, it's, it's trustless, you know, blockchain's amazing because of this, blah, 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 blah. What do you think the major key points that, um, that, they're, really, that, that, that they're really attaching themselves to and going, ah, oh, yeah, okay, I get that? Because it can be, you know, it can be... Uh, difficult to i guess um communicate some of the really key points and i often find myself when i've had conversations with family friends over dinner or whatever and then you, you're laying around you go oh i should have bloody said that because there's so much that we can talk about what do you think is some of the key areas for that new demographic 45 to 65 that are really going to help them to understand what blockchain and trustless really means and why they can be mm-hmm yeah, absolutely. It's funny. Um, there is so much that we could say to someone in that demographic. And I find that people don't need to know that much to, to get on board. Yep. Most people have like a few, a few key questions they want answering and then, then they're happy. Um, and that's very individual. Uh, number one question is like, well, what, what, how does it acquire its value type of thing? Which some people get, some people understand that, um, if, if, if a group of people decide something has value, then it has value, yeah. right? Which is, and, and people still, again, have never questioned that if tomorrow everyone said, uh, I don't accept British pounds as payment anymore, then that's it. That's it. It has exactly. value, right? And the only reason that would anchor that value is, is you have to pay taxes in it, right? That's mm. really it. And that's enforced by the government. But if that wasn't there, you know, you can use anything as money. And barter is people decide this is valuable. So some people get that, some people just cannot get their head around that, right? And that's why they'll never touch it because they're like, well, if, if you've got a fundamental belief that an authority has to be behind, like a centralized authority has to be behind a currency, then yeah. you're in trouble because you'll, yeah. never, you'll never get it. Whereas <clears throat> if like the internet, which isn't backed by anything other than tons of people use it, Facebook isn't backed by anything except the fact there's a network that has a lot of users, right? This is, this is the new mindset. It's, it's network economics. A network has value because of the number of people that are using it. That's it. That is network value, right? And that's how Bitcoin has value. That's how any of these networks have value. And it's not just Bitcoin network. It's the internet, any network. A social network has value based on, you know, how many, yeah. it's a different, different with people because, you know, it's uh, qu- qu- quality, the, qu- the quality of the relationships as well. But in the Bitcoin world, it's basically the number of users. It's that was it is a Metcalf's law. It's you take the number of users in the network, square it, you know, and that's the that's the network value, um, and it grows exponentially. So that's that's a concept I often describe to people. And you know, the telephone, you know, first telephone, you know, you've only got one person you can call, <laughs> and then second tell the, the three people with a telephone. It's not just plus one because then I've got everyone else in the network to call. When it gets to a thousand. The thousand and first person isn't just plus one. They've got now a thousand other people they can call. So that's how come it grows exponentially like that. 
And then I say, so you understand with Bitcoin, the first ever person that had a wallet didn't have anybody to send it to. But then the second person, third person, fourth person, and now we're in the tens of millions. And that's just going to continue to snowball. You know, it's just changing the mindset from thinking about corporate structures and hierarchies to network structures. And if people can get their head around that fundamental concept, you can start to think of how to organize people, right? Because a company is like a social network. It just happens to be organized in a power structure from the CEO that has the most power to the person on the shop floor that has relatively little power, but usually has the greatest insights because they're talking to the customer day to day. So that's sort of like central planning as well, but just inside a company. And if people get the idea of flattening those out and going, okay, if we just turn this into a collaboration, and a cooperation, that's a better way of managing the economy. And that's largely what these cryptocurrency networks can help us to do. So that's not even getting into tech. That's just conceptually how to I love that answer because it makes perfect sense. It's the Facebook answer. It's the, well, why is Facebook one of the top five, you know, um, most valuable or top 10 most valuable companies in the world. If Facebook disappears tomorrow, well, if the internet disappears tomorrow, Facebook doesn't exist right? Mm-hmm. That understanding of, okay, so Facebook, it's a multi hundred, it's a worth over, it was a hundred billion dollar company on float with no revenue, right? None, yeah, exactly. no revenue no at all. Revenue. Okay. Now it's a, it's a, one of the, it's a powerhouse. I mean, it, it's the Amazon of social media. It, it's huge. It, it's bigger than anything that's out there right now on the internet. And, and that is where the value lies. Now with Bitcoin, it's not just in the social, because if you talk about Facebook, well, literally, if the internet dies, you have nothing. There is nothing else there apart from a bunch of servers. Well, with Bitcoin, because of the mining and the way that it's set up, well, you actually have something because you've got all these computer units, all, all these, all this computing power. Now, of course, if the internet disappears and Facebook's gone, well, I mean, you know, they've got their servers too. Switch them on as long as we've got electricity and you're going to have a nice warm house. Uh, that's about as good as you're going to have with them. But at least there's something more to it than just, you know, a platform that floats around on the internet. And I think that's really, really powerful in helping people to understand value, on. you know, in, in networks. The think this out there. It's, uh, while, it's, check this out, right? Because you made a really key point there. While Facebook depends on the internet, right? The internet is a, is a free platform. So that's interesting. So they built this multi-multi-billion dollar business on a free and open platform Mm. with a for-profit company, right? And if the internet went away, Facebook goes away. Now, in in my Digital Money Revolution course, I do actually teach it like Bitcoin is built on the internet, but I made that course like a couple of years ago, right? And now that's, it's still true to a large degree, but that's becoming less true over time. And the reason I say that is because the Bitcoin network is, is going to gradually um, become less reliant on the internet for its infrastructure because we've got things like the Blockstream satellite network. Mm. As, as long as you've got a way of uh, computer devices communicating with each other, like the, Bitcoin network, right, the Bitcoin network can propagate. So, you know, things like, um, what do you call it? Like relay, what, what do they call it? Mesh networks where mm-hmm. you could do it with radio waves if you wanted to, you know? As long as my device is within radio range of the next device, it can hop and the Bitcoin network then becomes decentralized, then doesn't rely on the internet. So we can use the internet or we can use other networks, other communication styles, Morse code, whatever. UHF, simple stuff. Yeah, Yeah, back in time. Very, very robust. 
That's uh, it's uh, it's something I hadn't hadn't considered before. Now, Chris, I could literally talk to you forever. Um, I'm I'm really like it's it's been a fascinating conversation. But I will make sure that we don't go for too long because I know that people want to hear the beginning, middle, and the end. Um, and I mean, what I do want to ask you though, and look, I'd like to have you on again. I think it would be I think it would be beneficial for um, you know, possibly if if we did a monthly segment together, one each on however it looks. I don't know, but there's a lot more that we can go into detail on. I've been very impressed by uh, by the depth of the conversation. I speak with a lot of people, Chris, as do you. Um, uh, but this one has been really, really fascinating for me. I've learned a great deal from this myself, and I want to dig more into your fundamentals and whatnot and really see what uh, see what makes you tick. But before we go, what I do want to ask you is to let the audience know where can they find out more about what you do, Chris? Sure. Um, the central place to go would be thecryptovest.show and from there you can find your way to almost anything like social networks the podcast and all the rest of it so that's the one resource the cryptoverse sorry dot dot show dot show the cryptoverse dot show all right ladies and gentlemen you heard it from the man himself chris it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show i can't wait to have you on again and to uh, continue our conversations because um truly I've learned some things here and I want to know more. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. I hope you've enjoyed this show. We've gone a little bit over than what we normally do, but that's because the conversation is valuable. Thank you for your time today, Chris. Thank you very much, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks everybody. Bye for now. This show is proudly sponsored by TraderCobb.com. Visit TraderCobb.com forward slash free tools for your free education content. Now on this section of the website, you will receive access to view a bit about the three trading strategies that I use daily. And if you're sick and tired of your family and friends wanting to know about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, well, there's a free course in there for them as well, titled Beginner's Course to Cryptocurrency. It's absolutely free, so tell your friends and family and visit tradercob.com now.